We sit glued to the TV set all night And every night Why go into the outside world at all? It's such a fright We got nothing better to do Than watch TV and have a couple of... Welcome to TV Times 3, episode 276. On this episode, we've got uh, a little bit of news, and then we'll be discussing uh, some season finales. Uh, we're going to be jumping back a little bit and talking uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Grimm, and then uh, The Flash from last week. Then also talking about the first couple episodes of Wayward Pines and uh, what's going down here recently on Orphan Black. And then we've got some uh, TV recommendations at the end. You can find the full show notes with start times for each segment at tvtimes3.com slash 276. I'm Jason the TVaholic from tvaholic.com, and this week I have joining me... Laurel Brown from Doc Brown TV. And Mark DeCote from Solo Talk Media. Thank you both for joining me on the podcast this week. Well, thanks for having us. Thank you. And uh, we'll just jump right in. Uh, a little bit of news, a couple things uh, from uh, this week. Uh, or the last uh, week or so, Hulu announced uh, that they've renewed Deadbeat for a third season. So if you're a big Tyler Labine fan, <laughs> you, you're going to get another season of that. And then also uh, Sundance TV uh, has uh, apparently canceled The Red Road after two seasons. So Never heard of it. That's probably why it's canceled. <laughs> 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 but uh, why, all of a sudden I just blanked on his name. What's his name that... Uh, is that Jason Momoa show? Yeah, Jason Momoa. So if you're a big Jason Momoa fan, you're just going to have to wait until Aquaman, Aquaman comes out. So. <laughs> uh, the the Red Road has come to an end. Oh, well. That's the news. It's sort of in that period of time after a flood of news over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit of a lull as we head into the summer TV season. And with that, we'll jump into the primetime segment. And as I mentioned, we've got a, we're going to be talking about a few season finales. First up, uh, Marvel's Agents of Shield, uh, season two, episode twenty-one and twenty-two, SOS, part one and two, uh, which uh, brought that season to an end. And uh, Mark, what did you think of well, season two in general, and how things uh, ended uh, for Agents of Shield? Well, the season as a, as a whole, uh, I really enjoyed it. Season two was much better than season one. I really enjoyed season one. I'm not one of the people that kind of said, yeah, I'll just stick with it. I really did enjoy season one, but season two took it up to another notch, in my opinion. And uh, it, it the, the season finale really brought it to a good, I was going to say close. It's not a close. They left a lot open for next season. But they they, they a lot of the storylines came to where we really wanted them to go. Um, we had the stuff with Skye and uh, her, her mother there. Um, it, it just, I, I don't know what to say, just wow, like a, a lot of unexpected stuff there where she turns on her daughter and... That, I think that was the most interesting turn is that uh, Skye's mom turned out to be the monster, not her dad, even though, you know, not that her dad was a great, <laughs> turned into all that great a guy, but... Uh, that that was uh, ultimately an interesting storyline and that the, the twist of her being the one that wants to sort of go to war, sort of putting on to S.H.I.E.L.D. or the present-day S.H.I.E.L.D., things that had happened to her in the past, 
uh, you know, like obviously being ripped apart and then having to be put back together, uh, you know, that's probably going to, I was going to say scar you, but as we saw that it definitely did that. <laughs> but I think that was the most interesting, the most interesting twist is it's that she sort of turned out to be the bad guy. And now that they're, now they're sort of, will be sort of a rogue group of whoever was left you know, that were her, you know, her sort of followers or whatever that uh, they're going to have to deal with, it looks like, you know, as part of next season. But then also uh, the potential of Sky sort of taking on a leadership of like her own team of some of the inhumans that are not out for, you know, not out to wanting to kill everybody or, or what have you to try and protect, you know, protect people. So, uh, I think the interesting thing there is it sounds like, uh, you know, there's going to be more potential superpowered beings and things like that uh, to deal with in the in the episodes, which is which is the thing that people wanted like from the beginning. Uh, nobody had any patience to follow a story arc toward you know have uh, to get to the you know to the point that it looks like we'll be in season three. Mm-hmm. But the uh, the whole bit with the the mother and the way she turned, um, it, it makes me really curious to know what's going to happen because, uh, as Sky mentioned, and as um, what's his name uh, was it Lincoln is the guy with the electrical powers. That's his name, Lincoln. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as he said, they they're not evil. They're just misled. Well, the problem is, is now with the the mother, Shaying, uh, I think her name was, with her dead. Um, those that don't know what she did, they're just going to presume that Shield did this, and they might still continue what she had started. Not not on the same, like let's destroy everybody, but they're going to continue thinking that Shield is evil because they don't know what she did. Because only a very small handful of her close, uh, the the Inhumans that were really close to her actually knew what her plans were. Yeah, I think that's you know that's part of the. You're going to have some that. Uh that may still be around and knew sort of what was going on. And then others that are just like, that think that what she set up is, you know, still going on. And then you're going to have others like Lincoln who have seen or, or found out, you know, what was really going on. And uh, I don't know, there's, it makes for some interesting conflict and, you know, places to go with the storylines next season. What did you think of where it leaves Ward? Well, now it, it almost makes it look like Ward's going to be the big bad for next season. He they they talk about how Hydra most of the heads have been cut off, and normally, as they said in the the episode, when a, usually one head gets cut off, one or two more show up. But now none are showing up, so Ward's taking it upon himself to form his own team. Now I don't know if it's going to be Hydra or something else, but uh, it led, led me to believe that he's going to be one of the big bads that we're going to see next season. And uh, I, I like it. I kind of like what happened with him. I like the um, the whole bit. We sh- we know that there was a lot of speculation online as whether Ward can be redeemed or not. Well, we know now that he can't be, especially the way he he thought he was killing Agent May, and he didn't even give her a chance to anything. He turned around the corner and just shot like three or four times, thinking he was killing her, which had ended up being his girlfriend there, Agent Thirty Three, uh, with the May mask on. But um, spoiler alert. But yeah, um, I think he's definitely going to be somebody. Now, I hope, I do hope that he doesn't, he isn't the main focus 
of the season because I like him, but I can't see him supporting an entire season as the big bad. So uh, I'll just kind of wait to see where that goes. Yeah, I think he's going to be I mean, I think he's like fully embraced his badness now. Like, (laughs) I never thought that the character could be redeemed, but I thought it was interesting that he was in this spot where he was un he almost was unsure of like how he had been, you know, uh, the things that he had gone through with his family. And then, you know, the guy that, you know, took him under his wing and basically, you know, had sort of turned him into what he is. And while I didn't think you could bring him back to be like a, a member of the team type of thing, you know, except for in a, like, we need, we need to use this person type of thing. Like they did towards the end of the season, but still him playing that sort of somewhat conflicted nature and then having these last three things, you know, these last couple of things happen to him in the episode, like you said, killing, uh, you know, Agent 33, thinking it's May and stuff being the thing that just sort of fully pushes him over to embrace his, you know, his full evilness type of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think he's going to still be more of like a growing threat that keeps popping up at same, you know, similar places that, you know, sh- maybe Shield's going after things. Yeah, he'll be a thorn in their side. Uh, and you might see him uh, maybe a little more often than you did in this season as as that type of thing. But yeah, I don't see him being like the like the number one thing they're having to deal with. I think that'll there'll be something much much bigger in store for for that. Oh, I'm sure. Jason, what do you think about um uh Reyna? Do you do you think she actually is dead? The the uh, sights I don't. I don't know. I mean, I. I'm assuming so, but you know, I don't know what other type of ability she may have well, it, or something. I don't know. I mean, you're in this type of world. It's hard to say anybody's actually dead. I mean, they're all they're all led by a guy that died. So yeah, true. <laughs> just like she when she confronted Sky and she told her that this is the last time, and her I think her exact quote was, "This is the last time we will talk to each other." And then later on, when Sky's mother um, sticks that knife in her throat, we, which we presume killed her, I'm just thinking she told her mother that I saw this, I, I saw what your plans are, and all that. Well, if she's a seer and she saw this, I can't. Reina's not the type of person that would go to, willingly to her own death. Well, that's that's what I don't know. I don't know if there actually was some sort of change finally in Reina with the the physical change and the ability and the things that she saw, if she finally did actually, you know, because that's what she saw, that that's what was going to happen. See, my, th- my theory is, is when she told Skya that this is the last time we will talk with each other. I think when she got stabbed, she got stabbed in the throat and I wouldn't be surprised if we, she comes back, but she can't talk. Her vocal cords have been <laughs> that would be a, That'd be an interesting parsing of words. <laughs> Well, her prediction would be right. This is the yeah. last time we can talk to each other. So she can't talk anymore because she did say to Sky that there, um, she has a destiny to see Sky through as a leader. And I don't know if that destiny was fulfilled with everything here or if there's more because she said, you know, our destinies are intertwined, our histories and our futures are intertwined. So I wouldn't be surprised. Now, I could just be speculating here and, and be completely wrong. But I wouldn't be surprised if she somehow survived and we see her. And now I did hear a rumor that the actress might not be coming back. But if if she doesn't have the talk and with the makeup, they could put anybody in that makeup and be a mute and continue the role. So um, anyways, 
that's just me speculating. I, I like the character. I'd like to see her back. So, <laughs> yeah, that I mean, there's there's just there's so many places that they can go with the with the story, and I think they left it in you know an interesting an interesting place for lots of characters. Yeah, especially uh, with the fish oil. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Uh, you, you, yeah, you might want to think about the. Well, I like the, the bottles. The, the, the fish oil thing is is kind of interesting because wouldn't it both ultimately kill anybody that was taking it that wasn't special, but then change anybody that was? You would think so. So you you have like that 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 potential problem. Uh, but ultimately, what did you think of the the uh, what I don't know what is it the. Uh, the the rock formation that turns into liquid or whatever that is that uh basically uh the monolith thing there that, that basically got out of its cage there for <laughs> yeah well i did find that the whole part with if it looked to me like uh fits is the one that he was leaning against it and he did something and ended up loosening it so that it would open which i think would be a, a little lame as far as i'm concerned that this thing that Mac told him, like, we're never going to open it. We're going to make sure this thing's secured. And then him just leaning against it opens it. (laughs) (laughs) But the fact that uh, what happened and that uh, Simmons gets taken there, I wouldn't be surprised. And and especially if you go back earlier in the season, if you remember when um, the the way she, Simmons, acted towards uh, powered people, as she was calling him, and even when Sky got powers and she was developing a way to... Uh, neutralize the power and uh, Fitz was against her like why are you so against her I wouldn't be surprised if this thing which has been described as a uh, a great threat to the Inhumans actually uh, changes her and she becomes a weapon to to hunt uh, Inhumans or something to to fight against powered people so I think that's what it's going to do it's going to transform her into something and then they're going to be at odds with Sky and the rest of her people so yeah lots of like I said, lots of stuff happened in that in in that final couple hours, which yeah. was uh, you know lots of action, lots of good lines. Uh, I especially liked Mac with the uh, the guys like I'm Gordon, and he's like I'm the guy that's going to kill Gordon, you know, that kills Gordon. Uh, you know, there was some there was some good stuff in there. I liked Mac like having not left yet, even though he was on his way out, and stuff starts happening, and he just grabs an axe and is like. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna have to go take care of this. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that they're not spinning off uh, Bobby and and Hunter into their own show because I like them on this show. Yeah, I think it, they added a nice a nice piece to uh, uh, to this show. It you know it expanded out some of the characters, especially when you lost you know like Ward as part of the you know that was another part of the team. You know, you needed somebody else that could uh, you know kick some ass on a mission besides may so i'm I'm glad that they're going to be back as part of yeah same here regular cast uh you know going forward uh, for the for the mothership instead of which always seemed weird to spin off a show that's barely a hit you know <laughs> like mm-hmm. yeah what do you think of cal, what they did with cal and the the tahiti program do you think that's the end of cal we we're not going to see him anymore i think that's the end of him with the potential that they could always bring him back at some point, yeah, <laughs> you know, in in the future, is that uh, as well? We've we've also seen that it doesn't always work exactly <laughs> as well as you want. Sooner True. or later, maybe you something happens and you do start, you know, remembering remembering things or or what have you. So, 
but I, I thought that was I thought that was a nice use of being able to you know since he had sort of turned himself into this monster because of things that had happened to his wife and looking for his daughter and stuff that uh, you know basically having him forget all of that uh, but then leaving him with the ability that you can you know you can bring him back you know somewhere down the road yeah uh, if you wanted to. I'd, I'd like that. He he was really, really good, especially in this episode, just the way he acted all season. I think he did a phenomenal job uh, just acting that character, like just on the borderline crazy. Uh, I think he did really well. All right. Well, that'll uh, I think that's that'll about cover it. I think for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, really liked uh, a lot of season two and where they ended. And, and once again, as the way season one ended, I'm looking forward to the beginning of the next season. Yeah, me too. All right, we'll move on to the next show on the list, which is Grimm, uh, season four, episode 22, Cry Havoc, the season finale. Laurel, what did you think of season four of Grimm and where we ultimately ended up <laughs> at the end of this season? <laughs> is it just me or has this show gotten a lot more violent over the past, like, and, like, unapologetically violent? I mean, you have cops going in and just, like, straight up murdering people um, in this final episode. <laughs> and they framed a guy that they don't like to be a serial killer. And, <laughs> yeah, you know, nice young lady shoots in the back the woman who helped her out with the kind of cold action hero goodbye line. It's gotten really dark. Yeah, they they definitely have... Uh, they definitely started in that first season where it was basically a procedural with this sort of fantasy element to it. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, you got the, that gave you the ability to do, you know, like Monster of the Week. But towards the end of that first season and into season two, they really started to embrace and create their mythology for the show more. And each season since then and over the course of this season, it's only gotten deeper and darker as they've gone on, themselves and NBC have realized this is the audience. This is how many people are watching it. It doesn't matter what we do. It's not going to grow. It's not going to shrink. So let's just do a deep dive into, uh, you know, what it, into the the world of of the Grimm and the you know the royal family and right. and all of this stuff. But yet you still get the, you know, you still get the murder mystery of the week that just. Happens to take happens to be some <laughs> Vessin perpetrator every week. So. Right. I mean, I'm just. I guess for me, the the thing was like they really tried to make Nick a hero in the first probably the first two seasons of the show at least, um, where he was you know he was a good guy. He was always trying to do the right thing. Sometimes he had, he made some tough choices, but he was always going to be doing the right thing. I don't think he's really trying that hard anymore. I think things have spun so far out of control that he just he didn't know what to do and like what is the right decision even towards the end like, even in the very you know at the very end he's still like he couldn't bring himself to t to take Juliet out even or to even attempt to take Juliet out even though it looked like he was you know he was going to get killed so you know I don't know but they but yet they still did a like you said, they still did a lot of stuff where they keep coming up with the, 
you know, like the I like the uh, where can we find a tall British guy <laughs> that's been? Oh yeah, that's right. We just killed one. <laughs> we don't like this guy. Let's make sure that he's the one. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, I just found it was very. I don't know. There's just an awful lot of cold-blooded violence in the show. And I'm not complaining, by the way. I actually think this is good for this show because if everybody was being all morally upright and everything, it would just be kind of weird. But because this is, you know, there's the whole point, like from the beginning, there's a reason why all of the Vessen were freaked out beyond all belief every time they saw a Grimm. They were not nice people. These were like horrible people who went around slaughtering anybody they could find because they thought they were keeping people safe, which apparently in many cases is true because my goodness, these Vessen commit a lot of crimes, but yeah, it's like, he shouldn't really be a good guy. People wouldn't be that scared of him if he was. So I kind of like it that he's a little bit bad. (laughs) Well, I still like that, that turn of him trying to be different than what, Apparently his ancestors were like, you know, oh, especially sure. since he grew up outside of it and didn't really know about it till late in life mm-hmm. and and still trying to, you know, he's still in that space where, you know, he's still got plenty of best friends, which obviously is not uh, something if you look back at all the books they used to have uh, right. that they that that was that was ever the case before. I, I don't know. I, I do like that. They keep, you know, expanding out, you know, the mythology of of the show and uh and and you know with the the what it means with the royal family and what they want with the and also what the what what the various things mean for you know like you have the the one kid that's been taken now that also has some sort of abilities but then also what what comes of like a grim hexen beast <laughs> like what kind of, what kind of baby does that become <laughs> That's going to be an awesome baby. <laughs> yeah, you know, and so uh, that the objects from that kid, and <laughs> and yeah, and obviously objects. since we've seen that, uh, you know, they've already put into the mythology that uh, that the one kid grows much faster than you know she she's likely to be like a teenager by the time we come back in season five. Yeah, uh, yeah. At, at this rate. <laughs> Uh, you know, because she was an infant at like the beginning of the season, and she looks like what, like five or six now, or something. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I mean, I guess that was meant to be that she's growing faster, not just the magic of television. Yeah, but... they. Well, it is the it's the magic of television, but they gave it a magical reasoning. <laughs> is we don't they they none of them wanted to deal with a baby for very long. So if we're gonna bring the baby back, is we're gonna make her a. Uh, a little girl where we can actually mm-hmm. deal with somebody that can actually potentially <laughs> give some lines or something like that here and there. But right, uh, I thought, what did you think of though, of the sort of Juliet arc and, and killing off that character? Honestly, I, one of my only really big problems with Grimm is I never really felt like they had anything to do with Juliet. Like she was kind of there but her stories were never, never had quite the same impact to me as like anybody else, basically. And I actually really liked the whole Juliet Hexen Beast thing because it gave her something to do that actually mattered other than be the lady who still won't marry Nick, even though she loves him desperately and everything is wonderful. 
I mean, it was kind of nice to see her actually have something going on. And I mean, she got pretty bad at the end. So, you know, shooting her in the back, I was fine with too. But yeah, I just, I liked it because like I said, Juliet's just never had enough to do on that show. <laughs> and I'm just kind of sad it took four seasons to give her a really big, fun storyline other than forgetting who Nick was. Yeah, or well, Yeah, like season one was she doesn't know. You right. Know, that, that, that old thing. And then, you know, yeah. season two was they gave her they gave her some problems, but they were mostly things that she was seeing and having to deal with by herself. Right. And then, you know, season three, they kind of she was sort of fully adopted into the Scooby gang. <laughs> and then this and then this season they had, you know, obviously, you know, you can't have, you know, too many happy endings. type of thing. <laughs> it's like <laughs> Monroe and Rosalie get the happy ending. And we're going to uh, mess with this relationship over here. And so it gave her I thought it gave her an interesting arc. And especially if they were thinking of, you know, killing off a character or, getting, you know, or she was going to be leaving the show in some way instead of giving her some just death as a regular, you know, sort right. of as the regular character that just happened to get in the way or, or somebody came after her because trying to get to Nick or something. I think this is a whole much more interesting way to, <laughs> to have that character, uh, you know, die and leave the show because I think it, it's going to completely mess with Nick's head. I oh, mean, yeah. it already was, but then just like, what is that going to do to him? Right. Going, you know, going forward. And it's way more fun that now he, like, if assuming she is actually dead, which we of course have no confirmation of, it's kind of, it's kind of good because he's not just going to be mourning the loss of this lovely, perfect woman who is like the good thing in his life and blah, blah, blah. He's also got the whole upset about her being a hex beast in the first place. And she was being evil and she hurt him and she let the guy kill his mother. And like, you know, it's a lot more emotion and like varied emotion, which is always better for an actor to play. Like than just, I'm really sad. I hate the people yeah. who did. I'm really sad. I mean, this gives like a whole lot more to it. And it gave, it gave Juliet a lot to work with too, for the, that yeah. character the you know, for, uh, what's her name? Bitsy. Yeah. To, to play mm. over, over the course of this season too. And, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, and and the the character it it was interesting to watch over the last few episodes because you were never quite sure, like how far she was letting the hex like she was going further and further. Like you know she she tried to kill Adeline by dumping something off the building onto her, and you know yeah. so but you could but see but you could see that one like it still wasn't so bad even you know type of thing. Everybody wants to drop something on yeah. her head. <laughs> And, and and so uh, and then, you know, other things where, you know, she was sort of helping, but you weren't sure you still weren't sure exactly uh, how bad until, you know, you saw that, you know, they basically were just killing her neighbors <laughs> to, to be able to to surround the house. And then you, you knew she was fully gone when they opened the box uh, and she had been a party to that. There was like, you know, that was sort of. You know, like, like Ward in in Agents of Shield. There's no coming back from that. Not really, no. Type, type of thing, and uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think I think you're right though. It does get it progressively darker each season. So 
looking forward to see what they come up with for next season with needing to get the you know the the girl back because you definitely don't want somebody with those abilities under the control of the royals yeah. uh, that definitely really doesn't seem like a good idea so i i'm i'm looking forward to uh, uh that one coming back as well Season five of Grimm, Nick just kills everyone. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Seems like where they're going next. I mean, just death everywhere. Good times. <laughs> yeah, no more. Yeah, a, a lot less, a lot less talking, a lot more head chopping type of. Exactly. <laughs> like like trouble doesn't. Not asking any questions. This dude's following me. I'm just gonna chop his head off. Throw it under the dumpster. That's <laughs> and do. leave the body there, and then. Yeah, totally fun. No one ever these things. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's enough about Grimm, and we'll move on to the the big finale of, well, it was one of the only finales from last week, but the big finale of The Flash, uh, season one, episode 23, Fast Enough, uh, the, the season finale, we, we came to a close with, uh, well, we came to a close by leaving a huge opening, um, but... Uh, <laughs> <Literally>. <laughs> Uh, but what did you what did you think, Mark, of the first season of The Flash and and all the stuff that goes down in the finale? Well, the first season of The Flash was really good. I thought it was one of my favorite shows this season. Um, I, I wasn't sure. I was never a Flash. I wasn't a DC person. I read comic books, but I was a Marvel person. So Flash and Arrow and those, I never really followed them. I didn't know them. So I went into this not knowing much about who the character was, but I really, really enjoyed it. It became one of my favorite shows of the season. And uh, let me tell you, that season finale, if it's one of those things you just got to take it at face value because you you start thinking. Yeah. <laughs> you get a massive headache. Just try to figure out that the whole convoluted time travel and what's going to happen. And it's just, wow. I, I would have loved to be in the, the writer's room as they're trying to figure all this stuff out and exactly what to put in and what to leave out because it was quite something. Yeah, because some of the theories that are out there, you're just like, well, if that theory is true, then wouldn't this, this, and this also be the case? <laughs> but, yeah, exactly. You know, like, type of thing, and you're just like, uh, and so yeah. There's just uh, there's so much stuff went down. How about you, Laurel? Well, I loved the I loved the season. I loved the finale. I mean, there's basically nothing about the Flash I don't absolutely love at this point, despite the fact that I am still desperately in mourning. Um, over the loss of the one character that we've apparently lost as opposed to the other one, which we apparently have not. Yeah, it's, it was awesome. And I mean, the whole time travel crazy science thing doesn't bother me because I've long since decided that I'm just going to accept whatever they tell me with time travel and move on because it's never, ever going to make sense anyway, so I don't bother. True. So I, like, <laughs> I was just like with that. I was like, yeah, okay, that's what they're doing. Cool. That's how today <laughs> i think done. they went the route of <laughs> of uh i mean because if you really think about it with how things end nobody in their right mind should have ever traveled back and done anything <laughs> you know like they just with the the prospects of you know like the earth being swallowed by a black hole just so you can go back and save your mom just seems a little <laughs> yeah a little much and so you kind of you kind of don't think about that type of stuff. I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed the episode as they were going through, you know, you try not to, you know, to think too hard about some of these things. You just enjoy the, 
the moments between some of the characters and and what's going on. But ultimately, I think they they chose sort of the only real way they could go somewhat. Because if he actually does make changes, then it makes a lot of changes. And so he comes back now and because if he comes back and he's made changes, then while Cisco may be able to remember and I suppose (laughs) could have tried to... (laughs) As a, as a kid growing up, <laughs> make things happen the way they happened before or something uh, to make – I mean that was – I suppose that was a possibility. But you would lose – you would still lose a lot of the character uh, – all, all, the, all the character growth over the course of the season and the relationships and stuff like that would be different. And you would be starting in a completely new place. And then ultimately, if you change too much – they're creating this bigger and bigger world. And so you can't do something that also changes stuff on arrow, you know, right. Type of thing. You like what that, uh, what that type of means. And so I think they went with the, uh, the more, ultimately I think it's interesting because you, you get to keep what you saw this season. You still see the time travel thing as possible, which introduces that for, uh, you know, the legends of tomorrow show. Uh, and then, you also have, you know, what that can mean, you know, for the the future of the show that they could still go back at some point in time and uh, and, and do stuff. But I, I still think they ch- chose the right way. I mean, having future Barry in the past tell present Barry in the past to, <laughs> you know, take a chill back there behind the door and let your mom die. No, uh, really you know, better. type of thing. There was, I mean, there were some interesting moments in there that I, I just thought worked really well, uh, including the finally coming back. Uh, I would have been a little, I would have liked it better maybe if they actually only took a minute and 52 seconds or whatever it was to, uh, right, to do that. Bad. But <laughs> clearly Barry was back much longer. Than, I think he spent like two minutes just talking to his mom. Yeah, it was uh, over three minutes. I didn't like find it. <laughs> And so that that always bothers me when you you give something a time limit in a show and then it plays out over because he comes back and by the time he comes back it's supposed to be in time but yet it's clearly too long <laughs> but it's time travel he could spend 4 or 5 minutes back there as long as only a minute and 52 passed in our time I because suppose, but then again you start there you go you start thinking about things again you can because back in our time they were looking at the clock and they were saying we're running out of time even though he had already spent 3 or 4 minutes yeah. talking to his mom I suppose that's true he could try and 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 his in his run back he could be thinking about getting back at you know a minute 45 from where he left and I mean, that's you might as well, if you're doing time travel anyway, you might as well make it convenient for yourself. Yeah, so I think that falls into the time travel type of stuff that if you think about it too much, you can exactly. you can blow your mind or you can you can basically create anything you want to explain how that works. So mm-hmm. for me, I just more go with the character stuff, and Grant Gustin was fantastic in this episode. He was. The stuff with his mom... Uh, the stuff with well, the stuff with his dad and the stuff with his surrogate father, uh, you know, with and that the the whole thing of that that whole line of going back to save my mom, I would have to choose to lose my father, even right. though he would get his father back, but he would 
lose the father that he grew up with. I mean, there was a lot of emotional stuff that they played around with in this episode. Yeah, for sure. And those scenes were great. Like, I really liked the way they did that, especially because they got to make Joe such a hero because he, he told Barry to do it anyway. Like, you know, yeah, it was going to mess with his life and he was going to lose his son and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, it was still more important to save his mother, mm-hmm. which made, which got to make Joe look like the ultimate hero, which he totally is because Joe is awesome and the best. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I actually really like the way that they dealt with the time travel emotionally in a way like these people are proposing to change an entire timeline it should be a big deal like it shouldn't just be oh well here we go no big deal like this is their entire history is changed and erased and all that kind of stuff they should be concerned about it and a lot of shows don't give the time to that appropriately whereas i feel like the flash did like they actually got everybody to have a legitimate reaction to the fact that they were going to possibly change everything and that their lives would be completely different. So I thought that was kind of cool. So what did you think about the, the ultimate Eddie finally coming to the realization of where he fits in the timeline here? I I found it predictable. I, I, as soon as I, I knew that was happening as soon as, uh, as soon as he got happy. Well, not as soon as he got happy. As soon as as soon as the doctor told him, you know, started talking to him and stuff, you you started. That was when I started thinking about, you know, he's actually, he actually is important because, yeah. Uh, while he may not have done anything notable in his life that in, in you know that was noticed in history, in the backwards lineage of that of the Thon family, he still was. <laughs> Like he still had to have had a kid so that they could have had a kid, et cetera, et cetera. That's that's where the thing goes is though where you start thinking about, okay, so he kills himself, it kills the line. Don't think about it. And you see you see the the reverse flash or you know, the that character from the future disappear because he couldn't have been born. Uh you know that there the future from where we are set in present has been, you know, potential has been changed, but that doesn't matter because we haven't, we've only seen a little bit or heard about what the future was like from, from the reverse flash. So, but if, if Eobard Thawne was never born, then he never came back to kill Dr. Wells. So is real Dr. Wells still out there? Uh. Yes, but that's the, that's the one where people go, well, that's how they're going to keep Dr. Wells around is the real Dr. Wells will still be, uh, alive, and I go well. Then so would Barry's mother. Because, <laughs> you know, there's too many other people that would still be alive. But the whole if thing he was never. Think about it. <laughs> Sorry, the whole thing with Eddie there. Uh, there's another podcast I listened to, and recently they were talking about how it seems in a lot of shows when one one of the characters who's not a main character all of a sudden seems like everything's looking bright in his future. <laughs> you know he's gonna die. And that's exactly when Eddie finally said, you know, I'm going to I can choose my uh, my own destiny. He goes to Iris and says, you know, we're going to be happy. You know, we're, we're going to be together. At that point, I said, oh, man, Eddie's dead. It's like oh, yeah. it was just it was well, it was predictable. I mean, I started thinking about this a couple of episodes ago whenever um, Thawne or not. Well, I guess they're both Thawne's, but uh, Eobard uh, <laughs> took Eddie hostage. He kind of knew it was to protect him because it was his lineage. But 
it just it is a, almost a, a, a TV trope where when a character finally you know he's got the bliss, his future looks bright. You know something's yeah. going to happen to him. Well, I think the I think the funny bit is is like the uh, if he just if Eddie just could have come to this realization of how important he was earlier in the episode as opposed to right when Barry was about to be killed, you know, he could have got like a vasectomy or something. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, there are many less drastic ways to ensure no lineage. Uh, yeah, you know, or, or or what have you. But, uh, you know, yeah, so that's where the things go with the, you know, you start thinking about it and what it means. And, and to me, I'm just like, I thoroughly enjoyed the first season. I thought it culminated in a great episode that while went in what I kind of assumed was where they would go, because like I said, I didn't think they would actually do a, some sort of big change because that meant way too much for too many things. Yeah. But I, th- I think it, it provided a lot of uh, emotional moments for all of the characters. Uh, it put, you know, it obviously left us in a super dangerous spot of what, uh, <laughs> you know, what that can mean, uh, does Barry end up getting stuck someplace after he tries to, uh, you know, fix the the wormhole problem uh, with Cisco knowing that something's happened to him and he's going to be changing and yeah, will uh, will will Barry ultimately remember all of the things he saw during his uh, run to the past, which seemed to have both past and future things in it, mm-hmm. uh, and so. You know, will he will he remember some of those things to be? There was a, a lot of stuff. There was a lot of Easter eggs in there for people to. Uh, uh, to me, a lot of that stuff went by so fast. I didn't notice a lot of the futury stuff. Uh, you, you saw some of the scenes and you recognized them because you had seen them before, uh, type of thing, real quick. But there was a lot of stuff that went through, and that you know later on when people were obviously had gone through. Frame by frame. frame by frame, and yeah. and took screenshots of, uh, of each thing. You were able to actually see it, and I think maybe some of those things actually were just for uh, those type of people <laughs> that will, will spend the time trying to like like people did with Lost, trying to blow things up and get, <laughs> see what things are and uh, figure out meanings behind things. And uh, for mm-hmm. me, I that's that's too much. I just want the show to be good while I'm watching it, and I think that's that totally happened with the first season of The Flash. It's a highly enjoyable show. Uh, you know, you get action, comedy. Uh, I liked where we started in the storyline, and seeing Barry develop. You know, over the course of the season, you know, learn about new abilities and and, and things like that. Uh, I I just. Uh, <laughs> It's one of my, I'd say, of of all the new shows, it's right there at the top from the last year. But uh, it's it's one of the things I I look for. I you know I would look forward to each week. Agreed. I, I've said this before on the podcast. Since I work nights, uh, I tend to D, you know DVR you know DVR stuff and you know watch it in the morning when I come home from work. There are there were a few shows that I made sure that while I was still DVRing them. And watching them off of that, I was watching them close to live, where I was watching them before I'd leave for work, and you know Arrow and The Flash and things like that were shows that uh, I didn't want to wait, you know, to watch it later. I wanted to watch it now, uh, and so 
I mean, for me, I, those those are the type of shows I can't really you know say much more about than when it's on. I want to be watching it, and Flash is one of those shows. Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah. I get behind on everything. I never got behind on the Flash. Yeah, <laughs> that one lasted all season. <laughs> Yeah, there were there were shows that well, there are shows that I'm still behind on. There are other shows that I got behind on and just went, yeah, I'm done with that, and just deleted them off the DVR. <laughs> and then there are other shows that, yeah, I, not only did I not get behind, very seldom did I ever not watch it same night. Uh, it well, it was a for a lot of the season. It was I was watching the Flash, Agents of Shield, you know, that double header, and then running off to work. Not quite as fast as Barry, but still, I had to, had to go. But I think uh, I think we're all sort of in agreement with the with the Flash. Definitely. Uh, that'll that'll end the the season finales that we're talking about this week. But uh, we'd love to hear your opinions on uh, that. So if you you know what did you think about the Flash, Grimm, and Agents of Shield, and where their seasons went, uh, you can always uh, leave a comment on the the show notes at tvtimes three dot com slash two seven six or. Uh, send an uh, email to feedback at tvtimes3.com. And uh, we'll move on to the next show on the list, which is Wayward Pines. Uh, season 1, uh, Episode 2, Do Not Discuss Your Life Before, is the uh, last episode that uh, aired. But we'll start with uh, you, Laurel. What did you think of the uh, first uh, couple episodes of uh, Wayward Pines? Well, it's a weird show. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think we can just sort of go with that to begin with. Um, I liked that the second episode answered the question, at least partially, of how Juliette Lewis was planning on being on so many TV shows and movies all at the same time, and, you know, and that she wasn't. And I don't know. I mean, I think it's interesting. I have an unfortunate case of having looked at the Wikipedia page for the books um, before I ever watched the show. So I kind of actually know where a lot of things are going, which makes actually watching this show a really weird experience because um, you're sort of looking at things like I feel like people who are completely unspoiled about what's going on will probably have to go back and watch the entire show again um, just because it's interesting. I will say no more about it, but um, <laughs> I, I'm kind of I am kind of looking forward to um Agent Matt Dillon, whose name I'm totally forgetting right now, I'm kind of looking forward to him coming down just a little bit and like instead of freaking out and running all over the place and that like maybe starting to like take a moment and try and figure out what the heck is going on around him, which I think he'll probably do in the next few episodes. But um, overall, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, It's appropriately weird and they've got great actors like I pretty much like everybody who's on that show. It's it's definitely been a fun watch so far. How about you, Mark? Well, I'm intrigued. I'm hooked, but I can't actually say if I'm enjoying. It. <laughs> <laughs> it, it if somebody was to ask me, should I watch Wayward Pines? I don't know what I would tell them. It, it's I, I'm in. Uh, well, Jason, you warned me. I I hadn't planned on watching this, and when we decided to do this, when you invited me to do this episode with you, uh, you said maybe I should watch them. So I did. I watched the first two episodes, and yes, I'm hooked. I'm I'm going to watch all <laughs> ten of them just to find out. But at this point, I just don't know if I'm really uh, enjoying it. it. It's just I'm curious. That's that's it. I'm curious 
Um, I did leave the first two episodes on my DVR because I know this is the type of show that afterwards I might want to go back and check a few things that, you know, oh, what did what did I miss watching it or what did the viewers as a whole, what did we miss? So I will go back probably to see some of that stuff as it's revealed to us as the season goes, which I presume is going to happen. But uh, like if somebody, as I said, if somebody asked me, should I watch this? I don't know if I can actually rec- recommend this show because I, I don't know if I like it or not. Yeah, yeah I think it depends <laughs> on if the person asking likes sort of wacky, strange mysteries and that's the that's the thing that hooks them about TV shows. Then you know maybe the answer is yes because there's definitely a wacky, strange mystery as to what's going on here. But yeah, I don't I don't know either exactly what's what's hooked me. Although that I really like the cast. The cast is really good. I love the nurse character. I think it's my favorite character just because if you woke up to a nurse that spoke to you that way, you would be like, "What?" You'd be paranoid too. Yeah. <laughs> what is going on in this place? But you know, it it definitely has some you know some some interesting stuff happens. Uh, you know, some characters die much quicker than you might think, based on uh, you know it. But it basically shows you in 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 episode two that even though there's a lot of big name actors in this cast, there's pretty much nobody that's on li- off off limits. Mm-hmm. You know, because uh, you know a cast like this, there's a lot of well known. You know, <laughs> faces in this show. Faces too. I mean, I'm still trying to figure out how to, how they're planning to keep Terrence Howard around. <laughs> he has other stuff going on. I'm just. <laughs> well, overall, I mean, this show's been shot for a while. Uh, it's been yeah. it's been in the can waiting around. Um, I mean, they were at they were at Comic Con last year, and they were pretty much done <laughs> almost already. I think right. at at the time, so. But it also means that nobody realized how big Empire was going to be. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think they finally, you know, I think deciding to do this, air it as sort of a summer uh, series, I think uh, is probably a good idea. I think it's weird to start it, to have started it on the, on basically what was the last Thursday night of the regular season and put it right. up against the Blacklist finale and the Scandal finale and... <laughs> That seemed odd to me to put your premiere, your big premiere for your 10 episodes up against all those. I mean, granted, they did replay it again before the yeah, uh, before the second episode uh, to give people a chance if they hadn't. Uh, but it, that, that seemed odd. But, yeah, there's lots of weird stuff. I think probably going back and looking at it, I've seen the first five. And so I went back. I recorded the first two the other night so that I could actually skim through them again. So I would only talk about things that happened in the first two. But yeah, I, I, I'm I'm sort of hooked by the craziness of it all and want to know like what this town is. Yeah. Right. The the you know the whole you know when they're talking and when he's talking to uh, I, I still don't know character names yet, but when he's talking to Carla Gugino's character on the steps and uh yeah, you know, when Matt and Carla are talking on the steps and she's like, I've been here for 12 years. And he's like, I was just with you like five weeks ago. Right. That type of stuff makes you go, what? <laughs> and yet she does know him because she 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 knows their history. So she couldn't have been there 12 years if she knows who this guy is and she's warning him. And 
So as somebody who has not seen the first five episodes, I've only seen the first two and I've not read the Wikipedia, so I don't know anything about it. My big thing is looking at everybody in the town and trying to figure out who is in on this or who are just playing along like um, the, the others, like the few characters that we saw that are somehow not talking about their past, but you know that there is something or who is like the sheriff who is involved and in charge and it's like really weird just trying to like at the end when they were doing the the execution and uh, you saw in the crowd that there were certain people that were kind of looking away they didn't the uh, some were clapping but others were looking away and you're kind of trying to pick out okay does that mean that person it could be an ally to uh, to matt's character or is it is I don't know. I don't know. It's just you. I, I spend every episode like trying to examine every single person and seeing who might be good, who might be bad, who might be in on it, or who doesn't have a clue. And I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> yeah. I, I just. I'm just curious. I mean, like I said, I I accidentally got totally spoiled for a lot of stuff because, like I said, I read the Wikipedia page. Don't not read the Wikipedia page. <laughs> yes. it's, really easy to get spoiled if you do um, i didn't read it that carefully but yeah it's sort of i mean i'm enjoying watching it just to see like with what little i know from wikipedia how it all fits together and if they're deviating at all from the basic story because this is a series of books i mean mm-hmm. like game of thrones people are going to be going into it knowing stuff about the book knowing stuff about what happens and who these people are but yeah it's it's definitely an interest, interestingly constructed show, and I mean, I'm kind of enjoying the totally blatant, overt Twin Peaks stuff. I mean, even to the point where the fact that they keep staring at, at fans, which I don't know if you've watched Twin Peaks recently, but that's totally a thing in Twin Peaks, is people looking at like random fans. I think there's a lot of homage to lots of shows that... It- like you know the opening scene of the first episode is basically the opening scene of lost Mm -hmm. uh, you know and things like that but it has a lot of those types of things and uh, i i think that the interesting thing uh, we mentioned it previously on the podcast uh, before when uh, a little bit about wayward pines when it was a one of our picks or one of our recommendations uh, on a, a couple weeks ago was that uh that the show changes that in an interview, the people behind the show talked about how the show changes genre throughout the show. And so when you think that it has, uh, you know, when you think, you know, what kind of, what it is that as it goes through some other things happen and then you're like, okay, now wait, what? Yeah. Cause at the moment it's basically the prisoner mixed with twin peaks. Yeah. Like the old classic TV show in case people don't know about that. Guy wakes up somewhere, he's given a number, he's told he always lived there, and he knows he should be getting away, and nobody, and it's all weird and crazy and surreal. But, yeah. So that's, that's I think that's an interesting uh, potential idea of how it uh, sort of morphs over time as, as the series goes, that uh, based on what you're seeing now, you have expectations, but then a couple episodes later based on things that you've now added to it, you have completely different expectations as to what you're actually watching is an interesting thing. But overall, I think we're all in agreement that it's weird. (laughs) It's weird and twisty. (laughs) If you like weird and twisty, I think it's a, it's a good summer watch. I mean, it's 10 episodes, you know, it it's, 
it seems to be that it's 10 episodes that you're going to get an actual story. So there's no, like, it's not just season one. It's 10 episodes and that's it. As far as I know, it's 10 episodes. I think they were going up. I think they are planning to do more of it. I, I, I mean, I, it's the type of thing I suppose that if it works out, like if a lot of people are actually watching it, they could under the dome it and keep (laughs) going. But I'm still not totally sure on, because there is three books in the series or whatever. I'm still not sure on if this, if this, if this series is like events of book one, or if it's encompassing all things or, or what, but the way that it sounds, it seems like uh, whether it would continue on or not, type of thing, it does seem like you're supposed to get some sort of story in this ten episodes, not something leading to uh, if it didn't come back, leaving you in a place where you're just super disappointed, uh, type of thing, and leaving you maybe in a place where maybe it could continue to tell stories, but uh, it gives you some closure to what's going on, uh, type of thing. Right. Because that's the problem I have with these, uh, with the networks these days. Their event series is, I mean, nobody calls anything a miniseries anymore. Apparently, that's uh, that's taboo to call it a miniseries. But uh, so they they call it an event series, but then they won't like nail down on whether it's a closed ended event series, right? Because they they never want to, you know, if. If a gazillion people start watching it like they did under the dome, then they want to keep doing it, even if it's just completely terrible idea to do so. Hey, I have a podcast about the dome, <laughs> and, I, and I and I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry you have to <laughs> keep doing that. <laughs> uh, it's so much fun to make fun of it, though. Uh, yeah, that's the uh, that's uh, Wayne Henderson who's been on the podcast before. He does, and so Troy. Yeah, uh, they do an under the dome podcast as well, and uh, they're in that same sort of same spot. as it's more become the uh, just embrace the ridiculousness and go with it. <laughs> That's right. I, I suppose that you know, there's the upside and the downside of everything. Uh, you create a podcast about a specific show, and then after a season, you don't like that show anymore. <laughs> if you want to keep doing the podcast, you got to keep watching a show you don't like, but. Uh, I don't know, but, uh, it could, it could still be fun though, too, to, I mean, I, I got tired by the end of season one ripping <laughs> under the dome, so, uh, but, uh, we can move on to, uh, we can move on from Wayward Pines. Uh, like I said, if you like uh, weird and twisty, uh, check it out and we'll move on to, well, you know, speaking of weird and twisty, uh, <laughs> we'll move on to, uh, Orphan Black, which Mark, you also podcast about and yes. And, you know, at least there you have something good to talk about. Thank you. (laughs) Season three, episode six, uh, Certain Agony of the Battlefield. And uh, we'll start with you, Mark. What did you what you think of what's going down so far here in uh, in season three and the the big event of the episode? Well, it's season three as a whole, we're getting uh, the, a lot of people didn't really think the season would go that well because they introduced the casters, the male clones. And they thought uh, I know there was a lot of speculation about the whole uh, this is a female driven show. It's got a strong female lead and introducing these caster clones, the the male clones and in, into the mix would uh, would take away from that. I didn't really see that. I thought it it 
they needed to expand the story. They keep, couldn't keep going with the story along the same lines that they were. They needed something else, and I thought this was perfect. And as we've seen so far this season, they introduced a bunch of male clones while they're slowly killing them off to the point after this, this episode, there's only two of them that we know of left. So I think that overall in the season, I think it's worked out quite well. Uh, this episode was definitely a pivotal episode in the season with a lot of uh, answers, stuff we've been questioning about all season. We got some answers. Uh, we had a lot of um, a, a lot to take away from this episode. Um, uh, like when I'm talking answers, we, we found out what's the problem with the uh, male clones. Um, we found out the the compatibility or, or the reason that the the, ma- the males and the females they have um, deficiencies in in their genetic makeup and how they I, know, I won't say complement each other but how the, each of their deficiencies will work together. Um, we, we got a we got progress now. We since season two we had the the book that uh, Ethan Duncan had left behind with his notes in it that nobody could decipher. Well, in this episode, we finally got something that might lead us in the direction to actually deciphering those notes, which might give us some answers to some stuff we've been speculating about since season two. Um, it's overall. And of course the, the big thing in it was, uh, and, and I know a lot of women out there were not too happy with, with uh, Paul sacrificing himself uh, there at the end, but and again, for the greater good, but it was just, it was nice to see him do it, his his love, like he was a character that throughout the seasons we kept saying, is he good, is he bad, because he keeps seeming to flip, but we saw here that his loyalty has always been to these, uh, the caster clones, to the male clones, his loyalty has been to them, but more as uh, fellow soldiers, uh, comrades in arms. And he just wanted to help them. And even at the end, he pleaded with uh, Dr. Cody to fix them. And, of course, she doesn't see eye to eye with him and shot him. And he had that grenade that blew up the science because that room, all all her research and everything was in that room. So I don't know how far that set them back, but uh, it was quite a, a pivotal episode. Um and we got a lot of, I mean, it was nice. Last week we didn't get the, the whole Allison stuff. This week we got that back, which was hilarious in this episode. <laughs> we we got the mandatory uh, Donnie in his underwear scene that we get every season. So now they've got that out of the way. Hopefully we don't have to see that again for the rest of the season. <laughs> but, Hopefully uh, the doctor doesn't have to see that. That was, that was definitely traumatizing for that poor little girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's uh, yeah, it's a it's a lot of fun. I'm really enjoying this season. Every season, I enjoy it more and more. And as you said, this is a this is a show I definitely don't mind podcasting about. It's lots of fun to do. So, how about you, Laurel? Well, first of all, I have to degree, disagree that the pivotal scene was Paul's sacrifice. The pivotal scene was actually Allison and Donnie twerking with money <laughs> flying through the air and sparkles. And I mean, really, like, how could anything be better than that? Um, giant glitter. Yes. I mean, it was amazing. Um, The sexy line there when she asked her, these underwear tear away, he says, no, but the elastic's worn out. (laughs) It was amazing. (laughs) And then, of course, the close second for the pivotal scene was when Helena ate her her scorpion friend. Yes. (laughs) Um, Because I tend to fixate on those two characters a lot. Anything that they do, I'm in for. And, but yeah, I mean, I'm, 
I was actually weirdly not that affected by Paul's death. I don't know what's wrong with me. Like if I just have a heart of stone or something, but I mean, I think it also might be partly because, I mean, we never really got to know Beth. Like she was seen in videos and one scene and Sarah playing her and things like that. And then Sarah's imagination in this past episode, but we don't know anything about Beth. So we didn't see Beth and Paul's relationship really. And then Sarah and Paul were great, but Sarah has chemistry with like literally every man, woman, lamppost, bookends. <laughs> I mean, anything around there. So it's not like we need him to complete Sarah. Um, I mean, Cal was great with Sarah and like, Literally anyone she comes across is great with Sarah. So that's basically Tatiana is basically great with everybody. Like no yeah. matter who she's playing, she she meshes with anybody she's on screen with. <laughs> I'm happy to believe that these are all totally separate people who are not played by the same actors, though. <laughs> <laughs> I can actually believe that watching her, which is fascinating and awesome. But but yeah, I mean, I I thought it was a very good. I thought it was a very good use of the character in a heartless way, I guess, um, because that was his character to sort of go all out violently for what he saw as the good fight. And so, yeah, it was sort of like, yeah, that's okay. We're good. And, you know, Sarah and Helena got away and that's what really matters. And yeah, I don't know. I, I've, I've actually been quite liking this season. Um, I sort of felt like I was being set up to not like it by, I don't know, expectations or online chatting and all that kind of stuff, but I'm liking it. I mean, my only actual issue is that the main clones, the leader clones are all kind of separated and I understand why they might want to not have them all in the same scene all the time for technical and sanity reasons on set, but I don't know when they're like those characters working together has always been a big plus for me on the show. And now I feel like, I mean, Helena's getting back into the main story, but she's been off separate the whole time. Allison's been off separate the whole time. And Kasima and Sarah have been sort of just like on the fringes of each other's stories. So I would like to see them get back sort of more of the core group again. But other than that, I've just really been enjoying it. Like they're doing a great job with supporting characters and all that. So. Yeah, well, I think with Helena and them and Sarah escaping now, it has the potential of getting them back, especially with the stuff that they found out right. while there, and then also uh, with what the uh, with what the one scientist guy found out, thinking that you know Ma- Rachel might have the key. Uh, so they've all sort of uh, come up with some you know some pieces that uh, at least you would think that uh, you know you're you're good chance that you're going to see like Sarah and Cosima and Rachel in a room or something or uh mm-hmm. type of thing. Uh, there was, there was lots of stuff. Uh, There's so many things in this episode that, yes. that, that came about, uh, like learning that, that Sarah and Helena are, are special, uh, not just that they could give birth, but that they're seem to be immune to, uh, what, uh, the Castro boys seem to be, uh, I don't know, giving away <laughs> to, to other people. Actually, and, a yeah, genetic. Yeah, they're 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 the 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 sense. Yeah, whatever their uh, 
whatever sort of disease or whatever that they're that 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 they that that they're causing. But uh, interesting that uh, they're you know that uh, they both have something wrong in the like reproductive type uh, stuff. That's one of the that's one of the other problems that happened besides the uh, you know the brain obviously not working as well in the caster over time and and then whatever it is that like Cosima uh, the illness that Cosima has for the the Lita clones but you know this finding out this other uh, this other bit that that was interesting of you know more about what the other side you know the caster side was looking for besides the or- original genetic material and so yeah, there was lots of stuff like that. I thought the the Paul's death thing was interesting, uh, just because there was always a lot of there was always talk about that Paul's character was they just kept figuring out a way to to ingrain him into the story because they liked that actor and they wanted to keep him on the show, and that you know a lot of the you know quote unquote ladies that watch the show liked having him on the show, uh, that type of thing uh, that. You know, how ridiculous was it that he was, you know, undercover for this side, but also for this and that. And they kept twisting him around and he was part of everything. And uh, and then they just but then they blow him up here halfway through this <laughs> this season. <laughs> uh, after, I think, finally actually showing us him being part of this and it actually starting to actually make more sense. Uh, some of the things that they had done where it seemed like it was really contrived just to be able to keep him on the show then they then they blow him up mm-hmm. uh, i thought that i thought that was actually kind of interesting but they also they they blew him up after we as an audience got a lot of the answers but like sarah escaped but sarah still doesn't know as much as paul did and now paul's dead so uh, the characters on the show don't know everything that paul learned mark uh one of the caster clones there he knows some because he went into the room and saw some of the research there along with Paul. So he's the only one left, uh, only well, one could. Sarah knows some because, the, you know, she, she knows survived. She survived it and she and she knows some from what Paul told her. Maybe it's not everything, but it's a good a bit of what he had learned, I think, that she finally – that she does know yeah. when she uh, – Cosima was figuring out a lot of the science on her own. So true. they didn't necessarily need to be getting it from the military. Well, they also got the they when they compared uh, the they compared protein. the what they had done the test for the the Prolethean girl and and then the caster brain that they had, uh, you know. So they were you know they had started to find out stuff, uh, but I think they they all were finding out pieces, and so if they actually now. <laughs> Like what you need to do on most shows is have the, your characters talk to each other so that they can, so that everybody will know the the information instead of everybody just has pieces of it. But I, I think it put it in an interesting place for you know where is the rest of the season going to go? Yeah, uh-huh. that's that, <laughs> that's the perfect place. I I don't know either. I I like that about a show is when you're watching and you're enjoying what's going on. Uh, you're enjoying the character interactions, uh, and and but even the mystery is. I think this season has actually become interesting enough and not uh, too obscure that you can sort of follow along, and 
but you're not sure where things are, you know, where things are going, but you're interested to know where things are going. I mean, that's uh, how much more can you ask for from a TV show? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just really curious to know when they're going to finally bring back that canister of Helena's eggs that's in uh, Felix's apartment. Right. Cause that, uh, they, they, they showed that at the end of season two and then they showed Kira playing with it at the beginning of this season just to, to remind us that that canister that Helena had stolen is still in Felix's apartment. And that was it. We never saw it again. So um, there has to be a reason for that being there. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, they do, don't usually spend much time, like, making sure the audience sees something <laughs> and then not follow through on it, following through with it at some point. Just uh, wondering how, how whatever is in there, the biological... Uh, eggs or whatever it is that's in there how it's surviving all this time because uh i don't know what's powering that thing to keep it cold or whatever but <laughs> technicalities right all right i think we're all we're all quite enjoying orphan black and looking forward to uh seeing where the last four episodes of this season go and i'm sure we're all glad that it got picked up for a four season Mm-hmm. Like oh, that yeah. was like that was in doubt, but uh, <laughs> but it's nice to know. I said that before when we we talked about it. It's nice to know in the middle of season three that there's going to be a season four, not sometime after where you're just sitting around going, you know, there's going to be one. Just tell us already. Yeah, like they did last year. <laughs> All right, that'll do it for the primetime segment, and we'll move on to the uh, TV recommendation segment. And first up, uh, Laurel. Yeah. What is your recommendation? Um, mine is for Lifetime's new scripted show, um, Unreal, which is a fictional look at behind the scenes of what is essentially The Bachelor. Um, of course, they can't call it that because copyright and legal stuff and all that kind of so thing. it's called Everlasting. Sure, yeah. <laughs> what this, I mean, I just call it The Bachelor in my head, so I don't, I mean, I don't even know. Because it is The Bachelor. Um, Pretty it's, much. It's this reality show where the hot, in this case, British wealthy guy is being paired up with, you know, the bazillions of women, many of whom are psychologically slightly disturbed and many of whom are mercenary. And then there's – but the focus is actually on the producers who are behind the scenes and who are totally mercenary and mostly quite despicable people manipulating – these various uh, women into good television, whatever that is, um, you know, fights, drunken ra rages, uh, all sorts of stuff. And it's basically if you've ever watched a reality show, especially a show like The Bachelor or any sort of dating show, it's I mean, it's impossible to stop watching. It was I was I got three episodes of it and watched them all pretty much in rapid succession. And then about a day or two later, I watched them all again because it was just it was awesome. Um, it stars Sherry Appleby, who was in Roswell and Life Unexpected and about 5000 shows that failed. But don't worry about that. <laughs> um, she's she's like this producer who had a horrible meltdown um, in the previous season and which led to legal and personal and all sorts of other problems. But she was hired back because she is like 
the master manipulator to end all manipulators. Yeah, and I mean, she's got a conscience, but, you know, she can work with that. And yeah, it's just all of the types you would see on a reality show are there. It's seedy, it's awful, and it's like, you can't stop watching it, basically. It's awesome. Yeah, it's... uh... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, basically my my recommendations this week is that I'm going to concur with both Laurel and and Mark <laughs> on their <laughs> on their recommendations. Uh Unreal is I it, it's it's unflinching. <laughs> it is uh, uh, as I said uh after watching it in the first episode is it's good, but it's brutal. And oh, yeah. it, it is it is a brutal look behind the scenes that made me go I wonder how much of this is real to like what actually goes on behind the scenes of a thing like the bachelor where, you know, that they do manipulate things and on all reality shows, they're trying to create a story out of what's going on to give you some sort of narrative for an episode or for a season. But yet some of the things that they do are so terrible to try and get these women to either stay on the show or, you know, to create, you know, the, the quote unquote cat fight or, you know, different types of interactions. The whole idea of that they had brought these women onto the show and they already had it basically scripted out as to who was going to go on at different points. Right. <laughs> and, and who the villain was going to be, uh, you know, and, and various things. And then, some of the things that happen within it that, that change that up uh, and how they have to a little bit more on the fly, figure out how to get those things back, but out of people that they didn't plan on using in those parts uh, type right. of thing really made me go, Oh my God, how much does, how much of this type of really goes on as opposed to filming something and then going back right. and figuring it out. They're like trying to, manipulated along the way uh, to get what they want. And if that's really what's happening behind things like The Bachelor, oh my God. But it is quite compelling TV. And uh, I, I recommend it too. Uh, I love Shuri, Shuri Appleby and, and Constance Zimmer. So having them at, you know, leading the cast, is uh, they're both really good. And uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely worth uh, checking out. It uh, premieres on Lifetime on... Uh, Monday, June 1st, uh, following the third season premiere of Devious Maids, which is also really funny as well. And uh, with that, Mark, what is uh, what is your recommendation? I asked like I don't know. <laughs> well, Jason, you already mentioned my other two podcasts, the Under the Dome podcast and the Orphan Black podcast. Well, the next the show I'm going to recommend is a show that just so happens I will be podcasting about as well. And this is uh, Killjoy's that uh, will be premiering on June 19th on both sci-fi in the U.S. and space here where I am in Canada. So uh, if you're not familiar, Killjoys is the story of interplanetary bounty hunters in a section of pl- uh, space that has, um, there's, they say there's four inhabitable planets, but there's only three of them that will be taking place in the first season. The fourth one we're not going to see this season. And there's there's no aliens. There's it's just humans, but uh, it, it follows a trio of killjoys, as they're called, which are bounty hunters, and they have um, 
their their one mantra, which is uh, the warrant is all, and they just go after to fulfill their warrants, and and the story will follow this uh, trio as they hop from planet to planet looking for people. So, um, as I mentioned, I'll be doing a podcast. Actually, it's already in iTunes if you want to check it out. It's called The Warrant Is All, the Killjoys podcast. And uh, it's a lot of people are comparing this. I don't know if it's true or not, but a lot of people are are saying this might fill the void that was left behind by um, Firefly. So whether or not that proves true or not, time will tell. But that's uh, the closest comparison that a lot of people are, are giving to it. So. That's my recommendation. Well, I will concur with uh, Mark's <laughs> recommendation, as I said I was going to. Spoiler alert. Uh, but yeah, it does It does have a Firefly uh, feeling. I've seen the first four. I haven't got my screener yet. It's in the mail. From the first episode, I'm in, you know, instantly hooked. Uh, Dutch is one of my new, is like my, one of my new favorite characters right now. Uh, she's a total badass. And... As I tweeted out after watching it, uh, if you uh, merged uh, Zoe and River from Firefly, you end up with Dutch from Killjoys, and uh, it's she's she because she is both she is both the captain of the ship and the best fighter, <laughs> you know, and the one that that does most of the ass kicking. So uh, it's it it definitely does have uh, you know not quite totally that you know western vibe that firefly had but that sort of space flying around in a ship going from place to place and you know getting into some type of trouble trying to bring back uh you know whatever warrant they're trying the person they're trying to track down the the killjoys thing comes from a, a joy is what they is basically what money is called you know so the you know the more joy the better but so it plays off of off of that and that you know there are levels of warrants all the way up to uh kill warrants and uh i highly recommend it uh, if i would have had more than four episodes i would still be watching them uh you know the, i'm all the, this one totally fills the void for me of that sort of fun action sci-fi you know type of thing while sci-fi channel is uh they're trying to re sort of rebrand themselves uh into you know, being more, having more serious sci-fi, uh, and they seem to be distancing themselves away from things like a Eureka or Warehouse 13. Uh, while this isn't quite that on those that sort of uh, comedy action side, it, it has you know, there's definitely some more serious stuff happening in this, but it it does fill that comic void I, that I'm looking for, and you know, the action comedy is my. Is sort of my favorite genre of thing, anyways, mm-hmm. and this uh, fills that void uh, quite nicely with lots of uh, sci-fi gadgets and weaponry and flying through space and whatnot. And then it it also there's some there's a an interesting overall story of the world that they're creating, the the company and the group that's behind all this, you know, everything that's going on, and then also. Uh, the backstory of Dutch is very interesting and what that could mean going forward. And then also uh, you have the two brothers uh, and one of them, they set up something that he's uh, you know looking for too. So there's each week you're going to get that, whatever the sort of the case of the week, whatever they're trying to track down that week. 
but within that, there is bigger things happening with on you know with ongoing storylines too. So, uh, which is the sort of the sweet spot that I think uh, a lot of shows are trying to hit is is between the the procedural weekly thing and the ongoing serialized show. And I think this I think the show hits that that mark quite nicely as well. Yeah, definitely. It's got uh, a good pedigree too with uh, Michelle uh, Lavretta from Lost Girls is the one that created it and it's got got the production team uh, behind Orphan Black is the, it's the same production team that's doing um Killjoys so it's got a good pedigree behind it as well. That's always good. It's on it's on actually on my list to watch tonight cuz I haven't had a chance to watch the screeners yet so I'm looking forward to it. Well enjoy. Uh-huh. talk to you in three hours when you're done (laughs) they haven't sent screeners out in canada yet i I get mine from space and they're only coming out this week so i haven't got my screeners yet (laughs) yeah they actually sci-fi actually sent them out really early quite early and also impressively granted i think a a lot of it's been filmed for uh, some time uh, they're finished episodes as well, <laughs> which is not always the case with a sci-fi screener. Mm-hmm. It's always great to be watching a show and stuff's going down and all of a sudden all the characters are standing in front of a green screen. And then it flashes right back to what it's supposed to look like <laughs> because they haven't quite finished it yet. Or the characters are all shooting at something, but that something's not there yet. That always makes uh, that always makes some of those screeners fun. But these were actually four finished episodes, so right. highly recommended. And with that, we'll uh, close the show, as always. Uh, we'll have links to uh, where you can find out more about uh, our recommendations, about uh, Killjoys and Unreal, uh, as well as the new stories we've mentioned in the show notes. Also, we'll have links to where you can find uh, Laurel and Mark and uh, all of his various podcasts uh, <laughs> in the show notes at tvtimes3.com slash 276. And uh, next week, uh, Amory will be back with me, and our guest will be uh, Ivy West, from the Block Bluster podcast, and we'll be uh, previewing the summer TV schedule. We'll be going over what shows are going to be coming on both cable and network uh, for uh, each day of the week, and then talking about some of the ones that we've uh, uh, seen before. Probably talk about Killjoys again. <laughs> that might be that's likely to be my recommendation for the next few weeks on the podcast. <laughs> But uh, we'll be previewing uh, all the stuff that's coming to give you a look at what's coming in June and July to make up for all the loss that you've just had with the regular TV season coming to an end. And the opening and closing music is provided by IODA Promonet. The song is TV Party by the Asylum Street Spankers from their Mercurial title put out by Yellow Dog Records. And again, thank you, Laurel and Mark, for uh, joining me on episode 276. Well, thank you very much, Jason. We sit glued to the TV set all night. Why go into the outside world at all? It's such a fright. We got nothing better to do than watch TV and have a couple of brews.